Tubals in a China Shop is brought to you by these great companies that are giving us money to let you listen to their stuff. Bullshit, Kyle. We make this show. We make this show. You and me. Tubals in a China Shop is brought to you by us. <laughs> Someone's got to pay the bills, Dan, because it's not our trading. <laughs> <laughs> All right, roll them. Man, that sunset is gorgeous. Grill, patio, sunset. Hard to get better than that. Unless you're browsing Carvana's inventory while you soak it all in. Oh, burger time. So sit back, get comfortable. Carvana's got thousands of cars under $20,000 just waiting for you. I could stay here forever. Carvana, where car buying meets comfort meets convenience. Download the app or visit Carvana.com today. Ah. The comfort of your favorite seat is now your comfy car-selling command center, thanks to Carvana. It doesn't get any better than this. Your favorite seat's the best spot in the house. Make it even better by entering your license plate or VIN and getting a real offer in minutes. There really is no place like home. And speaking of home, Carvana will pick up your car from yours after you finalize your offer. Visit Carvana.com or download the app and sell your car from your comfy place. You are listening to an entertainment program put together by a company called Financial Ineptitude. Anything said on this show is not an endorsement or professional advice. Would you really want to tell a court of law you were suing us because you thought taking financial advice from two idiots on a podcast put out by Financial Ineptitude was a good idea? Really? Clown hats on your face. All right. Hello, everybody, and welcome back to the China Shop. I am your host, Kyle, and joining me again for today's, uh, I guess we'll call it midweek update now, is uh, Eric from ES Invests. Before we start talking about the news, of course, I'd like to take a quick moment to say thank you to our sponsors and friends over at Manscaped, Trade Pro Academy, and Order Flow Labs. Manscaped, as everyone knows, is the best in men's below-the-waist grooming with precision-engineered tools for your family jewels, and with Manscaped now getting into the world of beard care, it's the perfect time to take advantage of our exclusive offer of 20% off and free worldwide shipping using promo code 2Bulls at manscaped.com. As always, that's the number two. When it comes to institutional quality trading education, take a look at tradeproacademy.com. In our free Discord server, you'll find instructions to take advantage of our discount with them as well. And for all you degenerates who enjoy trading futures, you'll definitely want to check into the custom tools and studies over at Orderflow Labs. And everybody uh, who's not following Eric yet needs to check him out at ES Invests on Twitter and YouTube. Any more updates for the McLaren, or or is that only for your OnlyFans account? No, that's the um, the short booty jorts is the only thing. <laughs> is it too cold for car washing? Ringing ringing endorsements I hear from all of my one fan known as my wife, and I think it's an enterprising prospect. Though I have heels that I'm ready to add in. I've and for people that are like, oh, you can't handle heels, I just want to shut that down right up front because I've played rugby in heels. So I'm very adept in heels. Thank you very much. Um, I, I would want to dive into that, but maybe we'll save that for another time. <laughs> I'm a man of mystery. Uh, anybody who wants to, to know more about this rugby and heels thing, feel free to reach out with your suggestions, corrections, or questions. You can do that via email at two balls at financial com, or you can join that free discord server where everybody likes to get together and share our lessons learned with other like-minded market aficionados. Uh, all those links will be in the episode description, but for today, uh, I think we're planning on doing something a little bit different. So 
I think with the Friday episode coming back that uh, there's still, there's plenty of news discussion happening uh, with, with the episodes that we put out. So we're going to try to focus, I think, a little less on that. Maybe talk about one or two key stories in the week, but try to relate that into like a trade idea. Like we'll look at some stock specific news and then maybe try to formulate some kind of way to, to take advantage of, of the information or our thesis that we generate from from the research that we're doing. Does that sound about right? Yes. Oh, okay. (laughs) And one of the things we talked about that I think is actually kind of um, worthwhile for people is I think one of the goals that we've talked about is the idea of kind of working on that skill set of looking at information and turning it into a trade idea. Because Mm -hmm. a lot of times if we're seeing some sort of news reported, very frequently, the trades already happened. We're, we're late to that party. Yes. So I think there are important ways to think about trading news. And I'm you know hopeful that we'll be able to dive into some of that. Yeah, and I'm, uh, I'm excited to kick that off. But uh, since it was FOMC week, though, I feel like we'd be, uh, I guess, not good journalists if we didn't at least discuss what was said. Ooh, I should add that to my OnlyFans. Not only just booty jorts model, but a journalist. I, I I think that we could actually probably get credentials. I don't know if we can get into the White House, but we could probably try to go cover stuff. I probably could if I wore the booty jorts. I was listening to the FOMC press conference uh, that Powell did, and I was just laughing at myself thinking about what it would be like if I got to ask a question. Uh, yes, Kyle Hedman, financialineptitude.com. <laughs> yeah, oh, that literally would be so perfect. That would make my – I think I I would be able to die happy if that ever happened. All right, so let's uh, let's let's dive into the statement. The biggest thing that stood out to me, and we're kind of talking about this pre-call, was just the stuff that was removed from from what the expected statement was, and that was references to COVID nineteen and uh, um, the supply chain driven pressures. Yeah, I think what we're seeing, at least in in parts of that being um, pulled out, it's an interesting juxtaposition to some of what we're seeing from the the earning statements, mm-hmm. specifically as it pertains to supply chain and things like that. But you know, you were postulating before about the idea of the broader impacts on if supply chain constraints are actually loosening. So I, I wanted to get your thoughts on that. What what are you reading into there? I'm just wondering if they're seeing it as being less of a contributing factor or maybe they overestimated it to begin with, whereas the the inflationary pressures weren't necessarily all supply chain driven, that there are other factors and that they got that wrong. I see. Yeah, that's and that's an interesting it's an interesting question. I think whether or not like the primary drivers of inflation, whatever they are, they kind of are, because when you look at at least in my opinion, when you look at the Fed's toolkit, it it is what it is. So like we right. talked about this, I, I don't know if this is the the last session or the one before that, but we kind of, they don't have that many choices. Right. So whether it's driven by supply chain or just broader economic forces, which my personal opinion in this case is it probably is a glorious mix of things. Mm-hmm. I don't really see it as one, but if I had to point at a specific driver, it's what happened during COVID. Like that's my, my, my highest assessment. Yeah. We gave a lot of people money. We printed a lot of extra money. Huge amounts, huge amounts. And yeah, that, that kind of flow into the system has a whipsaw effect. So you make a really good point. Like whatever caused it, like, does it matter? 
at this point now? Like that was two years ago. Right. Well, I think one of the things people forget is, especially with our decreasing attention spans, the the economy is a big machine. It doesn't change as fast as we get to like a YouTube short to the next one. Some of the decisions that we're making still won't be felt like literally for up to six months. Yes. So there's just it's a big machine that takes a while to move. So to your point, you know, into the general conversation, I, I think that what caused it is important just in terms of some of the smaller tweaks that we can make into how we attempt to address it. But mm-hmm. to the broader point, not really, because the the Fed doesn't have that many choices on what they do. Their their toolkit is, especially when it comes to inflation, people don't realize their toolkit is pretty limited. And a lot of, and we've talked about this before, a lot of the tightening is going to come from the bond markets. Mm-hmm. But, you know, we add the the additional component of, oh, wait, the bond or the the Fed went through this treasury abduction phase and now we're going to be pulling tons of liquidity out. You know, I it, I think those forces are probably still to be felt in a pretty big way. Yeah, it's like, uh, okay, they put their sledgehammer down. Now they're grabbing the dynamite to try to make the fine-tuning adjustments. <laughs> yeah, they have That's two. That's awesome. Yes. I don't know. Was there was there anything else that stood out to you maybe in the press conference? Absolutely. I, I mean, I and I think it's one of the reasons why we saw a bit of a market rally. And then if you take a look at something like the the volatility index, it's at um, six month lows, and I'm gonna it's at one year lows. I gotta zoom out again to get to the end of this. Okay, it's not at two year lows. It's at one year lows though. Mm-hmm. So the the VIX for the S and P 500 is at 18 and a half. And that's, in my opinion, extremely noteworthy. It's still above its average, but um, it's longer term average, but that's still very high relative speaking or relative low, sorry, relative speaking. And I think a lot of that came from the way that the Fed messaged and mm-hmm. armchair quarterbacking it. It's hard for me to say what's right and what's wrong because it's always easy to critique people. Yeah. But I do think, again, and I've said this a million times, and I think it's important to reiterate it. Big Daddy J Pal is super consistent. I think it's almost to a fault at this point. Like I do think we might be going too far, but again, I'm armchair quarterbacking it. And I think the bigger concern that they have is if they don't go enough and inflation, you know, starts essentially reversing again. So yeah, yeah. I think that was one of the main takeaways is essentially a reaffirmed for the 19th gajillionth time to a target rate of 2% in the long run. And also, it was good to see the messaging around, you know, the rates where it didn't seem like this tirade against slower rate hikes where a lot of people were thinking, hey, you know, maybe we could slow this down just to skosh. And for a while, it always seemed like Big Daddy J. Powell was just like, nah, fam, not doing it. But now it seems like there's at least, you know, some receptiveness to it. Because if you look at the the new probabilities for the next uh, rate statement, which is going to be coming out 22 March. Yep. We see overwhelmingly a prospective target rate of 475 to 500 basis points. So we're still looking at another hike, but we're maintaining a much lower hike rate, at least in general. So the the numbers I saw was an 85% chance for 25 bips and then a 15% chance roughly for a pause, which was yeah. very interesting. 
And I think that that's right. Like, I actually think based on the, the broader, the broader approach, I think that that's probably right here. And mm -hmm. I wouldn't be surprised to see a pause increase in propensity, depending on how we see earnings continuing to roll out. And then also how we see, um, earnings forecasts, because that's really informative in a lot of ways against the bond market, but they can always see right. the bond market. I think we're getting a lot of really important forward-looking information right now in the earnings release cycle we're in. Yeah, the next uh, the next FOMC uh, meeting should be very interesting because they talked about doing a lot of updates to their projections. So they didn't really do a lot of that this cycle, but the next one, we should be seeing a lot more of where their thoughts are, what, what to expect going forward. Yeah, to totally agree with you. And I think in general, it it looks like they're at least being receptive to the idea of potentially a pause. And I think that in and of itself is pretty important. I still think people are, I love retail traders, but I hate them at the same time because we are like piranhas and we still are just hoping for a reversal. And right. it kills me. So it's, it's not like, going to happen anytime soon. He uh, was very clear about that and this one and every other one that that's not happening this year about as clear as he could get and still retail is just like, but wait a minute. He sneezed last Thursday while looking left, <laughs> left means we're going to go it's like, left is oh, lie. Man. Left is lie. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So I think we spent a little more time on that than we were planning, but I was following you. I know it's all good stuff though. Just, ah, they, it's like an onion. Every time you peel a layer, there's something else there. That's interesting. I want to, just keep especially, digging until you cry. Well, especially big, big pieces of just news like this. Like we talk about, like the Fed has a big impact, but I really, as much as I joke about not wanting to be an economist, I, I, I'm just so fascinated. I'm a student and I'm actually reading two books on the economy right now, just out of sheer curiosity. And it, it's always interesting to me. So although we do go a little further into detail, I, I, I enjoy the, the, the depth. I think it's actually kind of important. I do too. Moving on, then let's uh, let's take a look at Meta. Then that's the uh, the the company I was going to bring for today's discussion for looking at trade ideas since they just reported earnings and uh, looks like they were received very well. Yeah. Let me just run through the numbers here real quick on the uh, the fourth quarter revenue topped estimates. It was thirty two point one seven billion versus thirty one point five three expected. Uh, one point seven six per share. Daily active users uh, looks like they came in about as expected. Uh, average revenue per user ticked up slightly. And what was the other? Ah, the big piece in here was the forty billion stock buyback. Yeah. Uh, the last Just thing more. that was kind of buried at the bottom of this article here was showing how shitty his uh, meta <laughs> metaverse thing is going. Lost nearly nine point four billion in the first three quarters, and I think that they said uh, last quarter the operating losses in twenty three are going to grow significantly year over year. Yeah, I mean it's it really it's the price for innovation. I I still think that it could pay out. I think the timing was early, but I think they probably knew that. I just don't believe in Zuckerberg as an innovator. Like he's talking about how great Reels have been doing, but real? Do you know anybody who uses Facebook Reels? I think it's important to take things like that in context, though, and understand like the the user persona for Facebook. I don't think you or I or probably even our circle are the typical user persona, but that's possible. I still think that there's a lot of users, obviously, 
Um, well, what was the, the app that he tried to make to compete with WhatsApp? Longtime fans of the show should be familiar with the lender formerly known as Sue Pullen, and I'm pleased to announce that she's back, fresh off a rebrand and ready to help as Sue Mackey. Sue is a certified mortgage advisor at Fairway Independent Mortgage, an equal housing lender who focuses on finding the right product for you and your needs. She has over 20 years of experience helping thousands of homeowners. Whether it's purchasing, refinancing, or even a reverse mortgage, Sue will help. Sue's licensed in 36 states now, so reach out and let Sue Mackey it happen for you. The best way to reach her is just give her a call at 520-977-7904 or in an email, spullen at fairwaymc.com. Fairway Independent Mortgage has an MLS number of 2289. Sue Mackey has an MLS number of 206048. That email again, spullen at fairwaymc.com. And that phone number is 520-977-7904. Shoot Sue an email and let her know she needs to update that address. Man, that sunset is gorgeous. Grill, patio, sunset. Hard to get better than that. Unless you're browsing Carvana's inventory while you soak it all in. Oh, burger time. So sit back, get comfortable. Carvana's got thousands of cars under $20,000 just waiting for you. I could stay here forever. Carvana, where car buying meets comfort meets convenience. Download the app or visit Carvana.com today. Man, that sunset is gorgeous. Grill, patio, sunset. Hard to get better than that. Unless you're browsing Carvana's inventory while you soak it all in. Oh, burger time. So sit back, get comfortable. Carvana's got thousands of cars under $20,000 just waiting for you. I could stay here forever. Carvana, where car buying meets comfort meets convenience. Download the app or visit Carvana.com today. Uh, I'm not, I mean, they, they bought WhatsApp. I know that's, they bought it because they failed at competing with it. <laughs> oh, I see. Yeah. But, but I yeah. mean, big, com- big companies do that all the time. I mean, Apple does that. Um, that's yeah, that's just good business. So I think, Oh, I'm just, I guess my, my point is what has he actually like created himself besides Facebook itself? And even that's, is that, uh, isn't that, I didn't see the movie, so I don't know what the social network, but that made me very happy that (laughs) i didn't see the movie but i I assumed the plot line was around how he probably stole it from somebody since that seems to be how all these companies get started (laughs) yeah yeah and and i think you know to your point i think there could be some interesting dialogue around the innovation capacity um you could even look at something like apple beyond the initial Mm -hmm. products like they really like let's call a spade a spade man like the year-over-year iPhone release is neat and all that, but it's really not that innovative. No, it's every just a once, bigger camera every time or the fucking every, emoji thing. Every once in a great while, they'll come up with something good. So I look at big developed tech companies like this, and I think of a couple things. One, I don't expect them to move as fast as I do smaller tech companies because obviously they develop a shit ton of infrastructure. But they also create market dominance in... Mm some way. And right now for Meta specifically, a lot of it is through advertising. But I think even the transition that he's attempting to make is actually super innovative. And I think it's very early, like I said, and I think that's another part of being an innovative person. And I look at stuff like this and, um, you know, people, people are called crazy right up until they're called a genius. Yes. Yes. That's true. 
I think what their people are looking at are like, man, you had a good thing going. Why are you making this, you know, this big shift? And it's a good point. Like it might not pay off for them. But I also think that the business is large enough and robust enough that they can afford the expenditure, at least for a prolonged period of time to, to see if they can actually get it to stick. Because I do know people that are actually using meta now to telecommute, which is actually wild to me. Oh, really? Really? And I also, yeah. And I also know people that are using the Oculus to create virtual displays. Like one of my, one of my best friends, he lives in New York, right? So a smaller apartment. I mean, he's a middle-aged 30 year old professional and he's married. So my, my point being though, is they still don't have like a huge house or anything. They rent an apartment. So mm -hmm. he doesn't have the luxury of having mega desk. Like I have, you know, like I have a 40 inch ultra wide with a two, a, with a 20 inch and a 30 inch computer screen, mostly not to sound like I'm some sort of stereotypical day trader with a bunch of charts. I like to have YouTube on one of them and Excel sheet on another one. Right. Let's be very clear about Megadesk's purpose here. It's not look at a billion charts, um, but he doesn't have that luxury. So he was explaining to me how he likes to use it. The uh, Oculus literally for screens he can right. create. Uh, and so I do think there's a lot of innovation that's going on in catching specific people. I am also very particular with what I choose to adopt. Um, but it's difficult to, yeah, difficult to deny the, the overall impact. Well, I, I mean, I'm probably a little bit jaded because I had an Oculus. I still have one. I loved it before Facebook took it over. And when they took it over, I, I don't know, that just kind of ruined it for me. You have to sign well, in with your Facebook profile in order to get access to your shit. And then you if they do that with Xbox and PlayStation anyways, well, and if they close your account, then uh, for violating your terms of service or just because they think you might have, then you lose access to all your games and shit. Like I've seen that happen to people that's, uh, I don't know, but this yeah, isn't, I hadn't heard of that. And this isn't just a platform uh, yeah. for me to bitch about meta. This is a platform to look no, at but, the information. But I mean, I actually, yeah. I don't, I don't blame you for, for having reservations about it. I think that's actually an important part of the dialogue. Mm -hmm. And this actually, I think leads beautifully into the, into a trade idea Yes, is yeah. as you can tell, there's still a pretty clear delineation. It's, this isn't like super wide adoption. Everything, everybody thinks this is going to moon, which is good. Like that's good for trading mm -hmm. because it means that we can create two-sided action. And what we're seeing right now in terms of the the after hours move, what right now it's trading at one eighty two. Yep. So the probability of it hitting one eighty two today was actually pretty high. If you look at it, um, well, now it's essentially priced there because it it knows it's it knows it's going to be right. there, but but it was higher than I would have expected. So it means that there's enough mixed volatility about it, which makes it a very tradable product to me. Interesting. Um. Yeah. So if you were to look at this, what, what would your just general trade hypothesis be? So the big thing that sticks out to me right now is I had a resistance level drawn in at 184 and it's coming up, but not passing that. So really my thesis kind of all revolves around that level. Do we reject off of that or do we accept above it? So I, I guess I don't know yet. Um, I would think that it would want to reject off of that or at least initially get some kind of bounce, but, but, um, I don't know. I don't know. I think I'd want to see where it opens really. <laughs> Why 184? Uh, if you look at it on the daily, uh, zoom out to starting uh, with overall aggregation, February 22nd, you'll see where, let's see, March 
uh, so mid-March. A one-year daily? There. Yeah, yeah. Sorry, daily one year. Yes. Got it, sorry. Yeah, if you look at that, you can see a pretty clear separation where that was a support turned resistance uh, as the stock was meandering towards its lows in November. I see. So you're talking about those two little touches like in the summer? Uh, yeah, there was touches in July and August uh, yep. from below. And then yep. there was holding a support back in March and let's see, May and then in June as well. Got it. It's interesting to hear your perception of that because to me, I like to use um, volume profiles a lot. Mm -hmm. um, and those little upticks that we saw, I actually, if I were to pick the nearest resistance, I would classify it at 164, which obviously we've blown through that as of right now. That's where the previous point of control was on a one-year daily. Mm -hmm. um, are you familiar with points of control? Yeah, that's where the most volume in that area. So it's like a high volume node. Yeah, exactly. Um, and then it looks like the next like reasonably high volume node was at 194. See, when I look at these, like the the high volume nodes, I look at as targets. Is that uh, is that the way you treat them, or do you use them as like that's where you expect the price to kind of hang out at or stop at? So the way that I view it is, the volume nodes tells me that there's a lot of people that transacted at that yes, price. Yes. And I be I believe that when we first approach volume nodes, it would serve as resistance. Mm -hmm because it's the first opportunity for people that have been essentially bid down for a long time, right. depending on the duration of the chart that we're looking at. It's a, it's their chance to exit. Yes. So it's kind of like a, I think it's a near term resistance until we break above it, just like any other support and resistance. Mm -hmm. I think it's resistance until we start to like trace above it. And then at which point I think if there's still aggressive buying indicated by high volume on those days, then I would classify it as support because it tells me that people are interested in continuing to accumulate at that level. So 164, then would you have another one somewhere around maybe 194? 194 is the next one, exactly. Yeah, and I, I, I don't have volume profile on this chart, so I'm just looking at where the bulk of the candles are. Yeah, 194 would be the would be the next one. And on a shorter term, 180. So like on a six month daily, 180 would be the next because we're we're blowing through a handful of pretty big points of control uh the volume nodes. Right. But the thing to remember is like on a six month daily, a ton of people, the point of control there is 9784. So a lot of people got in when this thing was down pretty mm -hmm. low and they still were holding. So to me, as I look at this, I agree with, you know, some sort of near term resistance likely coming in. I do think another important note when looking at volume profiles, I do like to kind of fit them to different timeframes. So if I'm looking at a six month daily, I'm going to treat those volume nodes slightly different than if I'm looking at a one year daily, just like you typically would with, you know, longer term support resistance. But yeah, I, if I had to wager, because there's actually a pretty noteworthy gap on the one-year daily between 190 and 172. So I think there's very little resistance in that area until we get back up to 194. Interesting. Okay, so what? Uh, so how do we structure a trade with this then? Short. Short? Short. That was my inclination as well. Short. Fuck meta. <laughs> All right, so what are we going to do then? How are we going to work this? So I'm a pretty big fan of trading on personal vendettas. Okay. Um, I'm, I'm just kidding. <laughs> okay. Um, but, 
but I, I would I would lean short here. Mm -hmm. So the way that I would play this is twofold. The first one is I would wait until the open simply to there's there's two things I think about. The first one is volatility contraction on the open, especially after a big, big move. Mm -hmm. Short straddle, something like that could be great. Right on the open. It has to be right on the open. Otherwise, you're going to miss the biggest contraction in volatility, and that is what it is. Okay. But there's a good chance that this thing could get some legs. Um, and depending on how the market initially reacts, we could see... I wouldn't expect any sort of huge continuation up right. because I do think that it it's kind of prone to run into at least a little bit of headway and profit taking. So I wouldn't expect a ton of movement to the upside, but I could see it rallying to 185 or something like that. Mm -hmm. So as long as you could get a decent short straddle in to take advantage of the volatility contraction, like first thing, I think that would be a decent neutral play that you can also um, gamma and then delta hedge out. I think the other idea that I would have is a really known phenomenon, positive earnings drift. Okay. And if we see it getting bid on the open, you could do something like, I wouldn't personally use far out of the money calls on this because I think a lot of the move is already being baked in right now, right? It's already up from 153 to 182. Right. So big moves already priced in. I wouldn't expect it to develop huge legs. But I could see it rallying a bit more on the initial optimism. Right. So something like uh, deeper in the money, long calls, shorter duration is something that I would consider if I wanted to wait until the news was released. Some of the volatility is contracted out. There's a clear defined price movement going on. So that's actually a like really short, I would consider that a really short-term bullish hypothesis. That would not be something I would want to leave on even for the full day. Mm -hmm. I would want to catch that initial follow-through optimism and then get out. And then if I wanted to do a slightly longer-term play, like maybe two weeks, something like that, I would be looking at short calls or short call spread if you're nervous about upside risk. Something like meta can get legs. So I would spread it out anyways. So for that short call hypothesis, something like the 17 Feb. Um, and you could do something, it'll get repriced on the open. The right. options are super cheap right now because yeah, they're they're priced on the previous close. Um, but you could do something like, you know, right outside that near resistance that we're hypothesizing. So we're I'm seeing re potential resistance on the one-year daily at 194. So you could do the 195 or the 200 short calls. Mm -hmm. And then I would just spread it off though. So maybe, you know, depending on your perception of risk, you could do 25 points wide or something like that. And I would just add the wings. I'm a little more cautious with tech stocks specifically because they can they can get legs and start running away from you real quick. And I hate getting stuck in that super annoying. So, so you say it's 25 points. So you like the 195 call and then cap it with the 220 just to something like that, just yeah, to keep like, yourself protected exactly. on the upside. Exactly. Gotcha. So I would go pretty far out of the money and it's, it's literally just for catastrophic loss prevention. Right. Otherwise I would essentially be treating it more like a naked short call, mm -hmm. but it's just to make sure that we're not getting swallowed up. Yeah. Um, you know, <laughs> yes. Super annoying. I've seen quite a few people get hung up and things, especially during COVID, you know, people were fading some of the the earnings releases and they were getting eaten up on the, the short call side because there's a handful of products that can really get legs. And I just, I don't see a significant benefit in attempting to capture that. Mm -hmm. So 
I'm more receptive to verticals in those instances just for catastrophic loss prevention, not to trade it as a direct vertical. But if I were to do that short play, I would also try to get that on earlier tomorrow morning to capitalize on right. the increased volatility before it's all priced out. All right. Sounds like we got a plan for tomorrow. Three trade ideas based on whatever your disposition is. If it were my trade, I would probably be doing the short straddle personally. Short straddle. Mm-hmm. Yeah, because but yeah, has to go on fast. Right, has to go on fast. I like literally yeah, within a minute. I don't think I'm quick enough to get one of those in. Oh, I think you're quick enough. <laughs> Not at short straddles. <laughs> oh God! Well, at short straddles. <laughs> right. All right, folks. Uh, thanks for everybody who stuck around to the end. Uh, hopefully, you learned something. Hopefully, maybe you got some actionable ideas you can take away from this. And if you like this kind of thing, uh, you know, maybe give us a thumbs up. You know, maybe, maybe, maybe. And let us, us know what trade you would take. Yeah, maybe, maybe do that. Or maybe suggest another one for the next one. You know, maybe. No, sorry. That's a family guy joke. <laughs> we'll be back soon with another exciting episode. But till then, uh, y'all take care. I'm going to just keep waiting till you say goodbye. Bye. Man, that sunset is gorgeous. Grill, patio, sunset. Hard to get better than that. Unless you're browsing Carvana's inventory while you soak it all in. Oh, burger time. So sit back, get comfortable. Carvana's got thousands of cars under $20,000 just waiting for you. I could stay here forever. Carvana, where car buying meets comfort meets convenience. Download the app or visit Carvana.com today. <sighs> the comfort of your favorite seat is now your comfy car selling command center. Thanks to Carvana. It doesn't get any better than this. Your favorite seat's the best spot in the house. Make it even better by entering your license plate or VIN and getting a real offer in minutes. There really is no place like home. And speaking of home, Carvana will pick up your car from yours after you finalize your offer. Visit Carvana.com or download the app and sell your car from your comfy place. Two Bulls in a China Shop is an entertainment program, and all thoughts and opinions expressed in the show belong to the hosts and not of any company. They are not intended to provide specific advice or recommendations for any individual or on any specific security or investment product. It is only intended to provide entertainment about stocks and the financial industry of trading. If you make trades based on what you hear in this show, you assume all risks for those trades.